0: What is up Sooners Nation and welcome to the Lockdown Sooners podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams and joining me today is good buddy of mine, Patrick Kahn, who writes a lot of words about college sports, currently currently the side editor for the LSU Tigers Wire at USA Today, also overseeing some Auburn Tigers Wire, just all over the place. You can also subscribe to his Substack, the Reckham Report. Patrick got a lot of things to talk about, in particular, the college football playoff stuff that came down today or on Friday, as we're recording this.
1: Yeah the uh, the uh, worst kept secret in college football the the fact that they weren't going to expand beyond four four teams I think that was expected by a lot of us who cover the sport. Um, you know it, it was I think a lot of it was wishful thinking wish hopeful thinking um, that they would expand to eight teams to twelve teams. You know there there was a lot on the table. Um, but you know, unfortunately, uh, through the contract, which goes another four years, it looks like we're stuck with the same thing that we've, we've done since 2014 for teams. And, and you just gotta move forward from there.
0: I think where I I fell on this was the wishful thinking mostly because I think more football is fun. Like, more playoffs equals more fun. Now, there's the arguments to be made that it doesn't really change much because we know who the top dogs in college football are, and they're going to stay the top dogs, whether you have four teams or 12 teams. But I think what a, a, an expansion did was just bring more people to the table, more people to the party, and provides more revenue for a lot of the conferences. Now, it, it was surprising that they – were or that there were three conferences really that voted against it i wasn't sure that they were going to be able to come to a resolution to pass expansion for the upcoming season but and maybe i shouldn't really be surprised at who voted against it because we have the alliance um, which may or may not actually turn out to be an alliance maybe a soft uh, agreement so to speak but the pac 12 the big 10 the ACC were the three uh, dissenting votes uh, on the 11-member panel. Uh, Did that surprise you at all? What's your biggest takeaway from those three schools saying, nah, we're, we're good with four, whether or not we get participation in the playoff?
1: You know, I think a lot of that kind of conversation came about because of the changes, and we'll get into this later, you know, with the SEC expansion, you know, adding two more teams. You know, because ultimately if you look at it with the amount of teams that the SEC is going to have, it's more opportunities for the SEC to control. Uh, if you look at the history, Alabama's in it every year. Um, you know, that is the, the team that's there every year. You've had teams like Clemson who have been there multiple times. You've had Oklahoma has been there multiple times. The one thing that we haven't really seen very often has been the Pac-12. I don't know why is that. Well, the Pac-12 is completely down. Um, They haven't really had a strong team and it's a year in a year out type of deal. Uh, You look at, you know, in the big 10, it's typically Ohio state, Michigan made it this year, obviously. And, you know, there was a lot of competition there with the big 10 you look at everything going on, but, but ultimately I think those three teams kind of feel like it, it was more a benefit to the SEC than anybody else. Whereas if you're looking at it from where the SEC is, they really don't have a reason to expand beyond four teams because they have an annual team in there. Mind you, the SEC is also the only team to ever have multiple teams make for the same college football field. Both times it was who? Alabama and Georgia. Who faced off in that national championship game both times? Alabama and Georgia. So ultimately, I was actually interested to see when Nicole Auerbach put out that tweet about who was actually voted for and who voted against, and you come to see that the SEC was on it, voted yes for expansion. So I thought that was interesting, considering the perception has been that the SEC shouldn't want to, or maybe that they knew that the three vote, those three conferences in the alliance were going to vote no on this. Um, you know, because because that's interesting. Because I think it boils down to simply boils down to this: not only the expanded field of eight versus twelve, but who gets those automatic qualifying bids. You know, I think that's a big part of it. Do all conference champions, you know, and maybe they're looking out for like the group of five. Do all conference champions get a spot? I mean, if you look at it, so you have the power five and the group of five, that's 10 spots. Right. And then you have two other spots who, you know, who's who's getting those, you know, and and I think ultimately that that's what it boiled down to is they can't agree on it. You know, there's a large part of me who thinks if they're doing college football expansion, we need to get more networks involved. Um, You know, not just ESPN because they control so much, and of course they have the contracts with the SEC. You know, all they get the best games each week. It seems like when you look at the the broadcast each week, so you know there there's a lot of money tied in this for ESPN, but yet they're the only dog in this fight. Um, You know, so there's a lot of questions about maybe not only parity within the teams, but the networks, get Fox involved, CBS, you know uh, you know, I, I think there was, there was a lot to be discussed and, and a lot more that we could discuss about it. You know, where are these games going to be playing? Are we going to have on campus uh, games, you know, which brings more revenue to schools? Um, you know, how do they split that up? You know, th- there's a, there's so many questions right now that, you know, we've, we've heard about these meetings for months and years and, and, and now, essentially, we've got four more years of conversations that can take place before we really get any resolution on, on a, a, you know, a college football playoff that, you know, like you said, wishful thinking, right? You were hoping for it. Uh, I guess I was more on the realist. never and I never saw the benefit of expanding, um, you know, oh. if you look at it now. Is there a benefit to expanding for, for the group of five and some other power five teams? Absolutely there is. Um, but, again, you look at the product that you're giving that you're giving and I know people say you can get hot at any time you know late in the season we've seen this at the NFL level why wouldn't it happen at the college level the team gets hot at the right time I, I get that but you look at a one you know a 1v8 uh, matchup which this last year would have been Alabama and Ole Miss you know we'd already seen that matchup right. do I want to see that again you know do I want to see Michigan and Baylor well, probably I think that would be a good matchup I mean Baylor's got a really good defense against that high-powered offense that Michigan had last year with Josh Gattis, who left, who's now at Miami. Uh, but, you know, th- that's the real thing is, like, people are looking, do we end up with any different four teams than we have? Which is a big question, but here's the thing. We'll never know because we haven't expanded. Right. You know, uh, you know any given Saturday, I mean, you could tell me that it won't matter, but a team that uh, Alabama was expected to expose last year, Texas A&M, beat Alabama. You know, it, it it does happen. Michigan lost to Michigan State, but yet they still made it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I think there's it's a question to be had, but, you know, I think that's kind of the argument right now.
0: Well, I think you look at teams 3 through 12 from last year, and there have been a, a ton of really intriguing matchups to get to the Final Four, who, whoever that would have been. And this isn't to say that one of those teams could have beat Alabama, could have beat Georgia, but really – In a one-game playoff, you never really know what's going to happen. In a seven-game series in the NHL or the NBA or Major Major League Baseball, generally the best team is going to win. But in a one-game playoff, like a lot of weird things can happen and an upset occurs. Now, it's unlikely, absolutely, but there could have been a lot of really fun matchups that take place. And I think to your point about the broadcast aspect, I mean, this is what the NFL has, right? They have three, four major networks involved in the broadcast of their playoffs and the regular season games. And it creates more revenue when you have more networks bidding on these games. This could be the long view looking at, Hey, if we wait until 2026 when we could actually expand this thing and we get CBS, Fox, ESPN, ABC, and who else, and whoever else, maybe Amazon prime, you know, bidding on these games, these playoff games, potentially our revenue just goes through the roof and it creates more money for the, the field that gets to play in those games. And, and I think maybe that's where I kind of find a little bit of surprise in this because right now, like, this is still an opportunity for revenue for a Pac-12 school. Like, the Pac-12 isn't going to make the college football playoff in most years because, I mean, they have a little bit of parity at the top with Utah, Oregon. I mean, USC, who's everybody is jumping on the bandwagon already – and, ho- and thinking they're going to make a playoff. I mean, they got a lot of work to do on that front, but I mean, it's a, t- it's a conference that beats up on itself similarly to the big 12, maybe just not as talented, but it, I just, I, I find it kind of unlikely they're going to make it. I mean, they've only had two representatives in the eight years of the college football playoff while the sec has had 10. Like if you're wanting your teams represented in the college football playoff expansion is your best Avenue. And I know like that that's the that's the case for the big 12 as well like the big 12 it beat up on itself this past year and didn't get anybody in even though they had some really good football teams that could have made some noise in a playoff and you know a defense that was as good as Baylor's i mean maybe they shut down a georgia and keep it a close game and who knows a field goal here a turnover there and and that's a football game I don't know but it, it just creates more fascinating aspects of college football and more interesting matchups that we're going to get to see, like, I'm looking forward to this, this next season when Alabama goes to Austin to play Texas. Like, with, with realignment, you're going to get some really fun matchups that we haven't seen a lot of in the past. But with college football playoff expansion, we're going to get even more of that. And these games that we, we get these interesting matchups in for the bowl season, they're actually going to mean something. They're going to actually, like, have a little bit more juice to them because the games are going to matter more. But I think there's there's so much more to discuss on this. And and I know Pat, you've got a lot to say on it, but first I want to talk to y'all about our friends over at Bet Online. Football might be over, hey, but it really never is over. It's always football season. But basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. And betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Betonline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. You can get UFC, boxing, hockey, even Olympic coverage over at betonline.net so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online is where the game starts uh you know and patrick to your point you know like I, I sent out a tweet over at john nine williams uh that listed the power five conferences really the representatives for each kind of conference in the group of five so the sec had 10 teams make it in eight years now most of that's alabama and Georgia. You had LSU jump up there one time. And then you have the ACC that had seven. That's Florida State and Clemson. The Big Ten was five. Michigan State made it once. You had Mich- uh, Ohio State several times and Michigan as well. The Big 12 had three representatives, all Oklahoma. And then the Pac-12 has made it just twice. And the last time they made it was the 2016-2017 season. So this is, I mean, I'm dumping on the Pac-12 a lot right now, but I mean, th- I think this is a problem also for the Big 12 in that like expansion is going to be a good thing eventually when it does happen for the big 12. And I think it is going to be for the PAC 12. So like in my mind, even if the sec or when expansion does happen, the sec is going to be a strong bet to have two teams. And depending on the format and how the automatic bids work, I mean, they could get as many as three teams, but a lot of these other conferences could get a conference champion and an at-large bid in it as well. Like you look at the big 12, this past season, if it's a 12 team playoff, and say you have the power five automatic bids, you get Cincinnati as a group of five bid, you get Notre Dame as the an at-large bid in their independent status. Potentially Baylor and Oklahoma State both make the college football playoff. So there's, it, it opens up a lot of opportunities for every conference, not just the SEC.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, and I fully expect you to dump on dunk all over the Pac-12 because I know you're still sore about Lincoln. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, I got to, I got to jab you a little bit, Uh, but no, but you're right though in that the PAC 12 has been, you know, represented the least amount of times of any of the power fives. Um, And and as I stated, you know, in our first segment, PAC 12 is down, right? Um, Why do they go and get a coach like Lincoln? They need some juice in the PAC 12. Um, They need USC to be good because it just makes that conference stronger as a whole. They need Oregon to be good, you know, and they have been good. And obviously, they lose their head coach; they have to go on a different route, you know. But they need those two schools to be good for for the simple fact to help them not only uh, help their standing to get into the college football playoff, but they need to help bring up the Pac-12 because you have a team like Utah, who would have been like right there in that 12-team playoff. And, And you know, when we saw them get hot late in the season, they beat Oregon two out of three weeks. You know, so it's one of those things where. I'm not, a whole, I'm not sure a whole lot of teams would want to play Utah last year right. uh, towards the end of the season. You know, so that would be an interesting matchup because if you we went by the 12, we would have got Michigan versus Utah. That might have been a really interesting uh, matchup if you go by the uh, final CFP rankings. You know, a uh, matchup of Georgia and Michigan State. I, I don't know that it would be that competitive, um, but I would have been really interested to see. But, you know, there's a key dynamic here to playoff expansion – uh, when we talk about these bowl games and these players last year, we saw it with Kenny Pickett and he opts out of a new year six bowl game. You know, it's the first time Pitt's been in New York six in in a, in a while and he opts out so he can prepare for the senior bowl, get ready for the NFL draft. Now, if he has an opportunity to play for a national championship, does he opt out of that game? You know, there's a lot of these players. Uh, LSU had Damon Clark, you know, one of their top defenders. I mean, he, I think he was top four in the nation in tackles. You know, he was yeah. among, you know, the, the finalists for the Butkus Award, top linebacker. And he opts out for the game against uh, Kansas State in the Texas Bowl. If LSU would have had a much better team and they were in the playoff contention, does he opt out of that game? I think no. You know, a lot of these guys, you don't get an opportunity uh, to play for a national champion. Now, Demond Clark was part of that 2019 team. Um, so, you know, technically he has a ring, uh, right? Because he he spent four seasons there. But to have that opportunity to play for a national championship, maybe that changes some of these opt-outs. Uh, now, I know I know the reason why they do it. Why risk my body for right. this game when it's it's a bowl game that doesn't really matter? Even if it is a New York Six Bowl, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, you could have a situation uh, like – I mean, we've seen so many times a player gets injured. Uh, Matt how much Corral. money did? Yeah, Matt Corral got injured in that ball game. Uh, how much money did Jake Butt lose at Michigan for playing in that that ball game? Yeah, um, you know he dropped down spots because he tore his ACL. So I, I can understand it from that standpoint. But I also think if you expand, there's also the potential that th- those key players, those star players, put, I'm not going to say they won't. But maybe they're less likely to opt out because they yeah. have now have an opportunity to play for something, yeah. especially if you if you've worked, you know, if you're in your fifth year in the program, like a Kenny Pickett, and you worked your way up, and he's got a chance to play for a national championship. You now he'd probably have to go up against Alabama. It'd be one heck of a fight. But I, I I'd be down to watch Kenny Pickett versus Bryce Young, you know. But you know, that's one of those things that potentially can change a lot, and it's not just a playoff field, but who's playing in those games.
0: And I think it also just raises the the kind of the national profile for a lot of these teams. Where, I mean, every year we're seeing the same you know, three, four, or five teams Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, you know, getting in Ohio State, getting into the college football playoff. Well, what does that do for them in recruiting? It just helps get them more big time recruits. You get a team like Pitt into the college football playoff playing for something at the end of the season. And maybe they don't win the thing, but maybe it gives them a little bit more juice with recruits on on the recruiting trail saying, hey, look, we got into the playoff. I mean, yeah, we might have gotten beat by Alabama. We might have got beat by Georgia, but we were there. I think just that the idea that, hey, we were a playoff team, it just means I almost just dropped the SEC. It just means more. But it, it just adds a little bit more to your your team's resume as you're on the recruiting trail where right now it's it's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's Clemson, it's Ohio State that are for the most part dominating a lot of that because their names are just everywhere. Like they're all over the place. And and I think you're right, you know, there're going to be far fewer opt-outs because how many how many NFL coaches are going to look at a player and if he opts out of a a, a meaningful playoff game, are they going to look at that player a little bit differently? Now they, they might look at them a little bit differently if they opt out of a bowl game, but if there's something to play for and they're not hanging with their guys, they're not playing with their team. I think a lot of the old school mentality coaches are going to kind of knock that player a little bit, or scouts are going to knock that player a little bit. Uh, And so I think that does create an interesting dynamic because Oklahoma, we didn't have to see Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon because he decided to opt out of the Alamo bowl, which Hey, do your thing, man. Go make your money in the NFL. But again, if that's a meaningful football game, Kayvon Thibodeau likely plays because that's just one more power five team that he can get some tape on and potentially assert himself as the number one overall draft pick. Instead, who knows where he's gonna land at this point as draft evaluations are happening. But I think this is just something that is it's eventually gonna happen. I like the me personally, I like the idea of you know those first round games being on campus games. Just to create a little bit more revenue for the school that did make it, even if they're not going to go far in the playoff, at least they get that one more home game bump. Uh, what do you think about that? Is that something that you'd be on board for? Well,
1: I, I kind of feel like the top four probably is is my guess, or the top two, just kind of just however it breaks down. It's probably the top two aren't going to have an on-campus game, right? You know, they're probably going to get a bye, you know, where they get to rest up and get prepared. But you know, with those next two, right? And, and, you know, that is an opportunity, not really the next two. Really, it's the next, what, five? Four, yeah. Four or five. Or five, you know, yeah, that, five. That is, yeah, so they're going to get, you know, that – but, you know, what's the revenue split? I mean, treat it like a bowl game, right? Yeah. You know, the the ticket allotments for, for both sides built in. make it a – I mean, I think that would be great. I mean, how awesome would it be to, you know, if you're uh, – you know, let's – hypothetically, I'm not saying that they're going to be there, but – Hypothetically, how cool would that be to have a college playoff game uh, at darrow K Royal? I mean, how, I mean that would be that's a great event. Yeah. Uh, you know, up you know a Penn State game, home playoff game. How great, you know, is that? You know, there's some historic places. Uh, I mean, we've seen playoff games at you know out at the Rose Bowl. I mean, obviously the Rose Bowl every year, but maybe some of these other venues that are maybe a little more historic. Um, you know that could, you could have these events at, and and I, I think they could they can make it make it interesting. You know, I you know having a, a home playoff game in Oklahoma that would be interesting to see. Yeah. You know how many how many fan how many rival fans are going to show up for that game? You know, and and I, I would love it. You know, I'm you know I've covered both sides of the Red River rivalry, as you know, I've covered Texas, I've covered Oklahoma. I would be really interested to see what that split could they get a split similar to how how the uh, Cotton Bowl Stadium looks, you know, for a, for a college football player because I think that's one of the most unique experiences in college football because mm-hmm. of of the split. But you know, there's so many opportunities, so many places. I mean, a, a playoff game uh, a, a, in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, I, mean, I think that that would be fantastic. Or the yeah. shoe, yeah. Uh, the big house. I mean, there's so many places that I think that would be great. And I think ultimately. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get into this, but I kind of feel like the big losers are the fans because we're not getting those because I think ultimately that would be, I mean, because if you look at the college football playoffs, typically you're you're using the same venues, obviously in rotation, but you know, it's like with these playoff games on campuses, it gives us another opportunity for a unique experience, um, you know, and that's ultimately why I look at this and say that, really the big losers here are the fans
0: yeah i'd be 100 for getting rid of the bowl system and the neutral site aspect of any of the college football playoff games because i I just it's it's a lot like the super bowl and then it loses a little bit of its luster when you're not packed out with you know fans who aren't paying thousands and thousands of dollars to be there like they're paying i mean maybe an an increased ticket price but not the ridiculous amounts that you're going to see for a college football playoff semifinal or the championship game. Like, yeah, you, you talked about it, a a playoff game in Derrick and Royal at Tuscaloosa, you know, in the swamp, like how those would be really, really cool events. Uh, I, I think that's, that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to with sec realignment for Oklahoma is getting to go to places like that, that you may not have ever played or getting to host a team like Alabama in Norman. I just think that's going to create such a huge atmosphere, such an energetic atmosphere for the whole town, and it gives a little bit of a bump to these college towns. You know, like how how much more does does Jerry Jones need at AT and T Stadium in Arlington by hosting a playoff game or a championship game? Like, and if you want to keep the neutral site championship game, that I'm totally on board with that. But go to the NFL model and just give the top you know the top seeds home field advantage for as long as they can stay in it. And if they get knocked off, then home field advantage goes to somebody else. I, I'd be on board with that. I think that'd be a lot more fun for everybody involved, for sure.
1: Yeah, no, and, and you bring up a good point about that. I, you know, I think there's – I mean, I know it's totally getting off topic here, but I still think the championship needs to be a neutral site. Like, I still think there needs to be that. Um, the other one, for me personally, I still would like to see the semifinals. In, in, these neutral spots. Cause I still think you need to have one at the cotton bowl, you know, or the orange bowl or the peach bowl. I mean, I still think they still need to keep that, but, but the games leading up to the semifinals, I think should be on campus. I think there should be at least one round of on-campus games. You know, again, it gives you a new experience. It gives you opportunity. Like you said, like, you know, being in the Big 12 and covering the Big 12 with Oklahoma, with Texas, with Texas Tech, and, you know, the other teams, it's not often that you get to go to these venues. Mm-hmm. You know, you go – I mean, how often do we hear about them playing in the swamp? Yeah. You know, uh, in Tuscaloosa, uh, going to Death Valley, you know, playing at Tiger Stadium. I mean, yeah. Tiger Stadium is like – gonna be honest with you. That's like one of the loudest places. When they're going, that is like the loudest college stadium that I have ever heard. Now, have I been to a lot of college stadiums? No, but it was extremely loud. I couldn't hear anything other than the just, like, screaming, and, and it was ridiculous. But but to go to a game like at Tiger Stadium, that is an event that – or a, a memory, you know, and, it's, and you make memories. Like, this yeah. is a memory that you're going to have. You're like, oh, yeah, do you remember that time that the Sooners went down to LSU, Baton Rouge for the playoff game? You know, it's – it's one of those things like you were talking about. Let's let's do the campus. It's a new event. It's a new memory. It's a, uh, a new feel. And, and maybe it just ups the ante a little bit. Because I think we can all agree that the one reason why a lot of people are drawn to college football is the pageantry. Mm-hmm. It's the passion. You know, you don't really, I mean, you do get that to a point in the NFL, but it's nothing compared to college football. Right. I mean, it, it's just a level of passion that's unrivaled. Um, and we, and it's not just college football. We see it in college basketball. I mean, um, you know, uh, most recently, uh, I'm just going to prop my boys: Texas Tech versus Texas. The announcers were like, "This is the wildest like mm-hmm. college basketball regular season game I've ever been to," uh, because of the crowds. But that that's what makes the college game so great. And if you can bring that more so into the college football playoff with some of these events on campus, I think you got to do it.
0: Yeah. And and yeah, do it for the first two rounds. Do it for that the the wild cards or the at larges and then do it for that quarterfinal round where the, the teams that have a buys just more on campus stuff because it provides a lot more fire, a lot more energy to these games. And yeah, just be too much fun. I mean, I was looking back, I was doing a, a piece for Sooners Wire and I was looking at some non conference schedules. And the last time that Texas hosted Alabama was 1922, like a hundred years ago. And that's crazy to me. These are two of the like preeminent college football teams in the history of the sport. And yes, they've played, but they played always at neutral sites since then. So like to get these type of games in their home stadiums, I think that just kind of just raised the profile of college football and it creates more of an exciting atmosphere. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And eventually college football playoff expansion is going to happen. The fact that they're having the talks, even if they're delaying it now, it's going to happen four years down the road. They'll get a lot of these things figured out. They'll figure out the the money, the revenue splits, who gets in, which teams get to buy, which are going to be at-large bids, which are going to be automatic qualifiers. But it, it's going to be something to, to just anticipate. I think we're going to have a lot more anticipation for it when it comes to that point because it seems like it's put off now till 2026. Uh, So we'll have four years to wait and and I think it'll be a lot more fun uh, to talk about it when it does actually come to fruition, but a little bit more uh, controversial college football news in that the NCAA is now looking into NIL, something that I think everybody asked them to do for years now, and they decided to kind of put their heads in the sand and let the states deal with it. Now they're going to finally deal with it. We'll talk about that after I tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's easy to eat, 100% covered in chocolate, and it tastes great. It's great for you. It's only got 130 to 180 calories, anywhere from four to five grams of sugar, four or five grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I love the coconut brownie chunk and the peanut butter brownie. Have one of those for breakfast pretty much every single day. You will not be disappointed if you go to built.com. Use promo code locked15 to get 15% off your next order over at built.com. All right, Patrick. The conversation that everybody loves to talk about, and that's the NIL. Um, what would you think about uh Caleb Williams' Nil deal with with Dre's beats? I, I
1: beats by Dre, go for it, man. Hey man, I, mean, I thought
0: that was pretty cool. Like, you know, I don't I don't hate it. If you're gonna if you're gonna get an NIL deal, man, shoot, aim high, aim for the stars, and you got probably the biggest. Um, conglomeration, you know, in, in the Beats by Dre thing, like there's no headphone that's more recognizable than Beats. That's like the Jordan of headphones. So shout out to Caleb Williams for landing that one. That's that's pretty huge. And then
1: uh, of course it, it doesn't hurt when the guy that, you know, Beats by Dre yeah. is doing the halftime show at the Super Bowl. So, that's I mean, right. you know, it's, it's everywhere. Right. And yeah. everybody's talking about it. Yeah. It's, I don't have a problem with it. Like, I actually love the fact that these guys are getting involved with it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, DJ Alphabet Soup last name. I'm not going to try and say Elbert Clemson uh, because yeah. I always mess it up. I mean, he he was in Dr Pepper commercials. You know, the fans yeah. deal. I love those commercials, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, but he was doing those commercials, so he's you know Dr Pepper, awesome. Yeah. You know, I'm you know if I'm a, if I'm a college athlete, I'm calling up Waterburger and I'm like, hey, can I can I get a deal? That's right. Can we do some commercials. Can That's I get right. some swag? You know, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, but you know, I I love the fact that these guys are able to cash in their name, image, and likeness. I absolutely love it. Like, I yeah. hated so many times. And I think like Todd Gurley got in trouble in Georgia for selling, you know, pictures that he signed or signed jerseys and all this. And I'm like, it's their name. Let them, you know, their name, image, and likeness. Let right. them make some money off of it. And the NCAA, like you said, stuck their head in the sand, and we're hoping Congress were going to step in and do something. And then they opened the Pandora's box, and now they want to put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you – I'm just going to read this statement, the opening statement I tweeted out today, and I thought it was ridiculous. We're concerned that some activity in the name, image, and likeness space may not only be violating NCAA recruiting rules, participating those prohibiting – Booster involvement but also maybe impacting the student athlete experience negatively in some ways you know i got a question and I, and this is totally a facetious comment but i'm gonna go ahead and say it anyway if texas a&m isn't rumored to be doing all this negative all this illegal stuff or paying guys and they have the number one recruiting class does the ncaa say anything if it's Alabama that's doing it, do they say anything? Okay. It's a joke. I think they would say, yeah,
0: that. no, I mean, um, like it, it, there's a lot of places that there's, you know, it, it's questionable, you know, what's, what's going yeah. on, but I can't imagine that these schools aren't operating within the bounds that have been set forth, you know, like, like Texas, you know, hooking up their offensive line. Like there's no way they're doing that publicly and not doing it within the boundaries that have been set before. them.
1: Well, no, i and we've seen these NIL collectives, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even Texas Tech has one. Uh, and it's head up by the uh, one of the <laughs> border regions. So, like, everybody's doing it. Yeah. I mean, because you allowed it. Right. And, see, that's the problem. Is now the NCAA. Why are they having a problem right now? Because people are making money, and they're not making money off of it. So now the NCAA yep. is having a problem with it. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but the fact that now Mark Emmerich, who's the biggest joke in college sports, has a problem with it, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, And and, and so, yeah, I mean, we could get into a lot about NIL and, you know, who does this favor? Um, Does it favor the big schools with the big alumni bases? Yeah, it does. But that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's the way it is today, and and like you said, the NCAA opened the floodgates. Then what happened? Yep. And now and now they're now they're trying to go back and 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 change the rules. It's like you should have set the boundaries to begin with, right? But you didn't want to deal with it. You pushed it off. You punted it to Congress. And when Congress didn't do it, now it's a problem.
0: Yeah. And it, it I don't know, it just kind of baffles me at times when when these leaderships come back and be like, well, okay, maybe now we, we need to look into this. When you, like you said, you could have had an opportunity to do something about this from the get go, put some strict boundaries in place for these schools to operate in, for the players to operate in and, and not have to worry so much about it. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think if a player wants to sign something and, and sell it, he should be allowed to, if he wants to do appearances and get paid for them. I mean, that should be allowed to what, you know, one thing that I, I thought was interesting is when they talk about, you know, affecting the college experience and the only, or the student athlete experience, the only thing I can think of on that front is how does this happen? How does, how is it affecting the locker room? You know what I mean? Like in the yeah. NFL, people always talk about, you know, like the big money player, you know what does that do to the rest of the locker room with the guys that are making the minimum the guy that's making the minimum he's just happy to be making the minimum he's not necessarily worried about the quarterback's contract when he's got his own contract to worry about i can see that being a little bit different in college football when you've got guys that are walk-ons who nobody's ever heard of and then you've got your your quarterback you know making millions i think it takes a lot of like counseling from the coaching staff being like hey listen this is just kind of the way it's going to be and yeah, would it be great if you can make more? Sure. But I mean, nobody knows who you are. It's sad to say that this is kind of part of it. And to cool. your point about, you know, the, the donors or the, the big donor bases, you know, being a, a bigger deal for these bigger schools and the more money that it's going to matter. The argument I keep having with people on, on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, is that like you look at, at most sports and, and the teams with the biggest payrolls don't always win you know, like the Dodgers and the Yankees, they have the biggest payrolls. I mean, the Yankees haven't won a title in what a decade or more you look at, I mean, the NFL has got a salary cap. The NBA has got that luxury tax thing, but even the the Lakers can't buy a championship right now. Um, So I I, I do think money matters. It absolutely does matter. Um, We're seeing it with Texas A&M. We're seeing it with Texas, but I think there's, there's similar to recruiting, like the stars matter, but it's also what you do with those stars. It's what you do with those players that, that you bring in with NIL, that's going to matter just as much. Like, do you develop those players into a, a championship team?
1: Yeah, no, development's always been uh, a key. And, and to go back to your point, I, you know, I don't – honestly, I don't think that there is that kind of animosity. I mean, just go look at the the kid who hot, caught the game-winning two-point conversion against Texas. Yeah. I mean, the next week he's shooting a uh, – You know he's doing a NIL deal with Applebee's. Right. Uh, Jonathan Garibay at Texas Tech kicks that 62-yard field goal to beat Iowa State. What's he doing? He's getting a NIL deal right after that. I mean, these guys are. I think it was with Church's Chicken. You know, but uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for these guys. I don't think there's any animosity. They're they're just happy they're able to make a little bit of money. And and it's just interesting to me because we had this whole NCAA thing, and you know, with the college athletes not being able to make money At, college athletes are the only kids on campus in, in college that aren't allowed to make money right I mean, a student can make money no problem you no know? you know you can say well it's completely different with the athlete no it's not the athlete is there on a scholarship you know yeah they're getting their tuition paid but they've also got to bust their butt uh to keep that scholarship and, you know, they're working a lot harder in most cases because they have schoolwork, but they have training and, and, mm-hmm. and having to study playbooks. And also, I just, I don't get the reason why people are so against this. Now, and to go back to your point about the schools with the biggest payrolls and or the biggest alumni bases, it? uh, it's been going on for years.
0: Yeah,
1: It's just legal now. Now it's in the light. Uh, you know, yeah. and uh, it, it, you know what the old saying is, whatever happens in the dark, comes to the light i mean that's really what it is we've known about this i mean it's this goes back well beyond our time i mean we could go back to the pony express i mean you know it's it's been a part of college football for so long that's why we have teams with ncaa sanctions every year because they're doing something whether it's the tennessee mcdonald's bags of cash i mean i mean they're all at some point or another there is some some shady business going on, but now they've made it legal. Well, my biggest problem right now is not that they've made it legal, it's that they're trying to put it back in the bottle because it's gotten to them, it's gotten out of hand. And and so that'll be it's really interesting because as we know, the NCAA doesn't really have a whole lot of power. Yeah, now, they can rule people ineligible and keep them off field. Yes, they've done that. Uh, we've seen that on multiple times, uh, but, but I think if push comes to shove, this is the time that we could see the separation mm-hmm. uh, of these power five schools away from the NCAA. I think, I think if push comes to shove, they, they could force the issue if it becomes an issue for these colleges.
0: Yeah, it makes me wonder how long we are for the NCAA as a governing body with college football playoff talk, expansion there with nil i mean the conferences and the teams are really what hold the power in college football and i mean the ncaa kind of has to go along to get along now they're they're gonna have to you know they're, they're gonna look into this and i bet they're gonna come up with some some guidelines and some boundaries that they're gonna try to put in place and enforce. but it's gonna be hard to put the the cat back in the bag on this one but it's going to be fascinating to watch Patrick. We always appreciate having you on giving us your insight. Make sure you go follow Patrick on sport or on Twitter uh, at what are you now? You change your Twitter handle so much. I, I can't keep up.
1: No, you know, I changed it uh, to Patrick Khan CFP. Cause that's pretty much what I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, it's a lot of college football, you know, some hoops, some baseball, but yeah. you know, it, it's kind of, I'm all over the place on the college sports wire uh, with USA today sports media group. So, uh, if, if you are a fan of any team, I'm likely going to talk about them at some point or another.
0: Yeah, so send all of your your hate tweets to uh, at PatrickConCFB on Twitter. Oh, I'm used uh, to that. Yeah, I mean, aren't we all at this point? If you've been on Twitter long yeah. enough, you got a hate tweet. So uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We'll talk more about this as we get more details on college football playoff expansion and NIL down the road. For Patrick Con, I'm John Williams. I'll catch you next time. Boomer Sooner.